0: Hello and welcome to Embodying Change, a podcast about cultivating care and compassion in aid and development. I'm Marianne Clements and this podcast is part of an initiative I'm working on with Melissa Pitotti, which is being hosted by CHS Alliance. Our work looks at the intersections between mental health, people management and organisational culture in aid and development organisations. And to do that we use the lens of care and compassion. In the first few episodes of this podcast, Melissa and I have been interviewing a number of different people about responding with care and compassion to the current COVID-19 pandemic. And today you'll hear me talk with Dr. Peter Mills, Medical Director at Cigna International about the significant mental health consequences of COVID-19 and about how organisations can think about supporting their staff in coping with them. Dr Mills trained in medicine at the Royal Free Hospital School of Medicine in London and is an accredited specialist in respiratory diseases. He still practices medicine on a part-time basis at the Whittington Hospitals in London and in addition he has a master's degree in infectious diseases and a PhD in the field of cell biology. Peter has been at the forefront of the digital health revolution over the past two decades and has helped a number of organisations in both the UK and the US develop their innovative solutions. He's also published extensively in the scientific literature on the efficacy of digital health interventions. Peter has been Medical Director for Cigna since 2015 and is responsible for the clinical management of their European plans. More recently, he's taken on an external facing role and now works closely with clients and providers to drive global health, quality care, and ultimately superior outcomes. Welcome to the podcast, Peter. It's great to have you. Thank you very much,
1: Marianne.
0: Before we go into our topic, it'd be good just to hear a little bit about, about you, the work you do, the work that Signa International does.
1: So, yes, as many of you will know, Signa International are a large health insurance company. Um, we cover many employers around the world and in fact many of the international aid and assistance companies, organizations around the world are covered by Cigna Health Insurance. A bit of background about myself, I'm a respiratory physician by trade, I'm a specialist in in diseases of the lungs um, and still work part-time for the National Health Service in the UK But my main job is as European Medical Director for Sigma with the aim of making sure that our insured members are getting good quality, good value healthcare wherever they are in the world. Our aim in the clinical part of the business is to make sure that our members are getting good quality healthcare, uh, also at a a good good price as well, Mm -hmm. which is important for the affordability of um, healthcare coverage around the world,
0: absolutely. And so, um, I think we, we, I imagine, given that your that, you, that your specialism around lung is around lung conditions and respiratory illness, that you've got some significant knowledge about COVID-19 that we probably all might want to tap into a little bit Um, but today we want to focus on the mental health consequences but do you do you just want to say a bit about what you've been seeing um, in 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 organizations that Cygnus supports around the around the impact of COVID-19 so far um, and and how you're helping organizations to support their people with with the pandemic.
1: Yes from the from the physical side of things we have had insured members right across the world who have contracted the virus. Mm -hmm. Fortunately the majority of them have been relatively well. We've only Mm -hmm. had a small number of people who have um, developed severe illness, the COVID nineteen illness, um, with uh, with lung failure mm-hmm. um, and uh, requiring supportive measures in the intensive care unit. Right. Um, and in those situations, depending upon where they are, we've we've worked with our emergency assistance uh, vendors to, to to move these people to to higher levels of care, if you like. Okay. Um, certainly, in some of the um, African and uh, Southeast Asian countries, the, the, the less developed Southeast Asian countries, healthcare is not um, as good as we would like or certainly not up to the levels um, that is seen in developed countries. So um, we've uh, we we've moved individuals, which has been very difficult actually, mm-hmm. which is quite a lot of logistics um, to get people out of one place and find receiving care for them. But as I said, uh, Marianne, the, the, fortunately, the majority of people that we insure um, have have not had this severe disease.
0: Yeah, that's that, that's that's good to hear. Um, and and I think we were, even before we started the recording, we began to talk about actually the, the 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 real impact on 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 mental health of this of this pandemic, and particularly obviously of the of the of the measures we've been taking to try and prevent the pandemic from exploding physically. Um, has forced us into some, some different ways of living, um, which most of us know about now. But um, I think it'd be interesting just to hear about what we know about the mental health consequences of things like lockdown and shelter in place, um, and what what you see emerging in in, in in the conversations in the medical field around the mental health impact of COVID-19.
1: Yeah, I think you're right, mary and I think a lot of the focus has been on The physical preventive measures, the cover your mouth, wash your hands, don't shake hands, clean surfaces, all of those side of things, Um, as well as maintaining a healthy lifestyle when you're in lockdown, um, eating a healthy diet, making sure you get your sleep, staying active. All of those messages have come across pretty loud and clear. But I do feel that there's been less of a dialogue on on the mental health side of things. What is the impact of, um, not necessarily being forcibly quarantined, um, in that in many many locations, uh, there's not a strict lockdown, but there's certainly a curtailment of our normal activities. And we've certainly seen, Uh, Amongst our members and and more generally in the the population, Um, a number of factors that are driving anxiety and depression. Um, We're seeing the uncertainty and the fear. We all we don't know where this is going. We don't know how long the lockdown is going to be. We don't know if we're going to get the condition, get the virus, and if we do, how severely we're going to get it. There's There is no cure, there is no vaccine. So there's a a great deal of uncertainty and fear. There's also the the isolation that many people are experiencing. Many people are quarantining um, on their own. Um, And with that brings loneliness, isolation, and it's very unnatural for us to spend large or long periods of time on, on our own. On the flip side, we have um, many people who are quarantining with their families, sometimes with their extended family. So you have those relationship dynamics um, that come into play. And we've never really spent this amount of time together um, with our loved ones. And uh, so that, that, that um, uh, two sides of the coin, the isolation and the relationship issues are also Um, driving issues uh, amongst people. I think the third area is the real concerns that many people have about their employment, about their livelihood. Um, Many people have been furloughed. Uh, Some people um, have lost their jobs. Others, even though they may have their jobs, they've got different expectations from their employers. They're being expected to Be productive while working at home. Now, many of us do work from home on a regular basis, but there's still large portions of the population, of the working population, who this is a new concept for. Um, So, we're also seeing anxiety, depression, um, concern uh, around the whole employment livelihood side of things. Um, And the final and the fourth area I think that's worth talking about is the additional responsibilities that many of us have during this uh, quarantine, during this lockdown. Um, Many of us have responsibilities for our children. They're not in school and um, having to homeschool them. Uh, In addition, responsibilities perhaps for our elderly relatives who may be with us or may not be with us and trying to manage um, their needs and their care needs as well. Uh, I think it's really interesting that something like one in eight, one in nine of the working population does have caring responsibilities, um, usually for for elderly relatives, but but sometimes for um, uh, disabled or less able um, family members as well.
0: Right. Yeah. So there's 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 a number of men- potential mental health consequences of all of these things. I think, aren't there? And I'm um, I'm interested in. Um, how you think organisations might be able to help um, support people's mental health through the pandemic, whether there's any of those areas that they can maybe um, be thinking about helping people with, be thinking about mitigating some of the, these consequences. Because like you said, a number of these things are things that we've not really experienced. Like, I'm certainly feeling this intense thing of being with the same three people for the last six weeks. Um, yes
1: it, it can <laughs> it can certainly um, have an effect and even though you know you love these people they are family um, outside of the the annual two-week holiday we don't spend this amount of time with these people on such a consistent basis
0: no that's right It's a, it's, a, it's a very strange <laughs> change to have sort of come upon you I think so yeah I'm wondering what you think what you think organisations could be doing to support their people, um, assuming they they still have jobs, obviously.
1: (laughs) Indeed. And I think one of your previous podcasts has looked at some of the immediate things that organisations can can put in place if they haven't already got them in place. Um, And, you know, things like the employee assistance, telephone helpline, Um, who often have access to trained counsellors psychological health professionals that's a that's a great uh, a great start Um, many of your um, organizations and many of the people who will be listening to to this podcast are employed by uh, international um, governmental or non-governmental organizations Mm -hmm. they will have Often, private health insurance, uh, and so there's there's um, access to the psychological health benefits that can be delivered through uh, through private health insurance as well. So that we have got those those um, basic things that that are the cornerstone, if you like, of of every employer's or should be the cornerstone of every employer's um, services that they offer sure. to, yeah. to their employees. But then I think you need to start to look at, okay, how can we really use this situation as a, uh, um, as a way of, of kick-starting a more focused and strategic approach to helping our employees manage their, um, their psychological health. Um, many um, of your listeners will be in some some quite dangerous um, or unpredictable areas around the world so their jobs often come with a degree of danger a degree of uncertainty which we know um, is can can lead you to or can lead individuals um, to having psychological health issues mm-hmm. um, you layer on top now this forced quarantine um, and it's not surprising that we are now already even though we're only five or six weeks into it we're already seeing increased incidence of domestic abuse of child abuse um, of significant mental health um, and, and psychosocial issues within uh, within populations so I think this is a great opportunity for organizations to start to think more strategically about how do we put in place. Um, solutions or a structure to better support our employees going forward
0: yeah right um I think that, that it's alarming in a way that the, that the consequences of something like this, which is supposed to protect our health, can can lead to increased incidence of of things that make very vulnerable people more vulnerable, isn't it? Exactly. And um, and and I wonder from the from the medical and mental health point of view, if, um, if, if when you think about the sort of strategic things organisations could do, whether you have any thoughts about what that might look like.
1: Yeah, I think it's. I think every every organization is different. Um, But one of the things that we're championing at Cigna is is making the the psychological health of your employees a a board-level item, a board level discussion. Um, So, you know, when you're there looking at the the reviewing the business as as the executive directors of the of the organization there's many different things that you that you look at Um, you look at the finances you look at the impact that your initiatives have been having upon uh, different communities different nations etc but one of those board level discussions and one of those items on the list should be what about the mental health um, of our employees we are we are sending them out to um, to really challenging parts or sometimes we're sending them out to really challenging parts of the world what are we doing Um, to to support them what support services do we have in place do we know whether people are using them if they're not how do we get them to use them one of the things I think is a really good uh, initiative is actually to make um, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy and uh, and that area a mandatory training um, module or, or, or part of the mandatory training that individuals go through um, us in the financial services industry, we have to go through uh, financial fraud training, uh, money laundering training, and I'm sure many of the uh, uh, the governmental and non-governmental organisations uh, that your listeners are from also have their mandatory mm-hmm. training, uh, health and safety, um, etc. I think one of the key things that should be part of that annual mandatory training is psychological health. There should be modules that are specifically designed um, to help people to understand um, their own uh, cognitive processes, um, the way they think, the way their thoughts and their emotions drive their behavior and these are These are life skills that I think should not just be reserved for individuals who are struggling and who are asking for help because they're struggling from um, uh, from psychological health um, issues. These are life skills that that everyone should really know uh, know about. Um, so I'm a big advocate of having that as part of the um, part of the mandatory training that organisations um, uh, implement to their workforce
0: yeah absolutely and i think the the good thing about a recommendation like that is that it's something that you know in the long term would be beneficial um particularly for humanitarians who as you've pointed out are always working in in situations of some kind of uncertainty and really covid-19 is just and and an, is an additional uncertainty for sure exactly um layered on top and for some it means separation from separation from family who are in a different part of the world or or you know like like for some of us here it means being stuck with them or whatever it is, um, is built on top of uncertainty in many humanitarian contexts. So um, I think that's a really great recommendation. It's really um, a, and something that organizations I think should be thinking about and something with the initiative we've been working on at CHF Alliance, we've been um, really encouraging leadership also to get involved in thinking about how do you how do you do how do you think about the wellbeing of your staff. So thank you for that. Um, I wonder if um, before we close, there's anything else that that um, around the about around the pandemic that you've been thinking about, or learning about, or reading about that you'd like to share with people, Peter?
1: Yeah, I think this is. Many people have have used the word unprecedented, and certainly many of us have never come across anything like this in our lifetime. Um, but I think it is worthwhile uh, commenting that, that these things do happen mm. um, episodically, periodically, through, um, through the years, through the centuries. Uh, and in fact, uh, mankind has been afflicted by, by pandemics um, right since the beginning of time. So this is not altogether unusual this will pass it may take some time uh, to go to you know to to get to the stage where we can go back to uh, our new normal Um, but I think it's also a great opportunity to start to think about how do we ensure that people get good quality healthcare wherever they are in the world how do we need to uh, modify healthcare systems um, how do we need to uh, provide access or what do we need to do in order to provide access um, to decent quality healthcare uh, around the world so there's some 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 great areas to to think about as Um, as nations, as populations, what do we do in the the aftermath of this? Um, Like I said, this will pass, um, but I think if we can learn some lessons and and really start to to focus on areas of the world where where there isn't as good an infrastructure um, and, and start to think about, okay, how can we actually make that better? Because... Um, I, I think it gives us an opportunity to to have a more equitable provision, if you like, of population-wide health.
0: Yeah, the fact that, that, that a pandemic in this, you know, as you said, although uh, uh, although not unprecedented in the world, relatively unprecedented in our lifetimes, really forces us to think about the global nature of of, of something like a virus, doesn't it? And how it and yeah. how the impact looks so different in different places because of because of that infrastructure that we that, that is or isn't present. So I'm grateful for those thoughts as well, Peter. Thank you so much for being with me today. Um, it's been a pleasure. And uh, um, wish you all the best in your quarantine or with lockdown or <laughs> whichever, whichever one you're in. Um, and thanks for being with us. Thank you very much. You've been listening to me, Marianne Clements, in conversation with Dr. Peter Mills from Signet International and this is Embodying Change, a podcast about cultivating care and compassion in aid and development. This show was edited by Ziadra Abade. If you enjoyed the show today, please do share it. And if you're an iTunes user and are listening there, please do leave us a review as it helps others to find our show. We'll be back next week with another show exploring care and compassion in aid and development work.